anything up to two weeks that that is very very viable like i said the problem occurs when you start stretching into three or four then you start having problems what's going on guys on this episode of drugs and stuff dave and i are going to discuss traveling on cycle it's all going to depend on what you're using what country you live in where you're traveling to but we're going to talk about that and we're going to cover a couple of listener questions if you guys want to take part in the next show then comment below we'll take your questions then plus comments and likes all that stuff it helps to boost our programming in the algorithm you guys are awesome for that and hey if you're new here let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell we have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week tons of education and entertainment from ipp pros experienced coaches and educators in our industry we're all here to have some fun keep you safer and help you reach your goals all right guys let's get to the program What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally, and all of our programming is brought to you by you, the wonderful people at Patreon. It's also brought to you by Christmas Cabbage. What's up, Christmas Cabbage? Uh, we're also, of course, we are brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for additional savings. They're awesome supplements. I'd be happy to talk to you about any of their products. Hit me up. Strom Sports Nutrition. For those of you in the UK, if you're on cycle, then get their cycle support. Check everything else out that they've got. And last but not least, if you're in Canada, you can go to supplementsource.ca. They've got crazy deals, like wicked crazy deals. So check them out for sure. Oh, and evalbloodanalysis.com, soon to be expanding the globe. We've got a great topic today. We're going to talk about um, traveling on cycle, different ways to handle that. This will be a fun one. Um, but before that, I did want to ask you, Dave, you were talking about going international. Is there any, with, with eval, with being able to do blood testing, blood work around the globe, will this include Canada? Because Canada is in desperate need of being able to do lab work. U.S., I mean, it's great, but we do have all sorts of options. All my well, Canadian clients struggle, man, trying to get labs there, done. There, there's a problem with the States in that, though we are cheaper for testing, far cheaper for testing, the the issue is that most people are insurance subsidized okay so the out-of-pocket expenses to the individual so for argument's sake if you did what we call the athlete protest at a lab in the state you're probably looking at six hundred dollars maybe even more but in most cases the insurance will pick up 400 or 450 dollars of that so you as the individual is only paying 150 which so for you for out of pocket we end up being more expensive. Yeah, but listen, my clients do out-of-pocket lab work all the time because they don't want their general practitioner to know what they're doing. They don't want their insurance to know. So we get labs done. We run them all the time, um, privately, out-of-pocket. So that's not a that's not a concern. We know what we're up against. We know what we're going so for. We aren't usually it, spending $600 on it, but, you know, 250 that's not unheard of. Well, what would you spend for, say, 52 markers, so full hormone panel, everything, FSHLH, prost, prolactin test, estrogen, cortisol, HbA1c, um, free test count, full thyroid panel, full blood count, liver, that would, kidney, that would get pretty expensive. Profile. Yeah, that would get that's, pretty expensive. That's what I can deliver into the States for 250 to $300, depending oh, on the that's a good deal, then. Yeah, that's a really good deal then. I would do that for $250, $300. But anyway, let's get to our topic. And anybody else who has any insights for Dave, definitely hit him up. Um, 
All right, yes, so, Canada, Canada shouldn't be the same as North America to us, so it should be exactly the same from the point of view of getting the bullets back to us. Okay, if you, I was just thinking that, and we did have some listeners say, hey, can you do Canada? And it hit me. I was like, oh, yeah, my clients in Canada, they are screwed when it comes to getting labs, man, especially the way their medical system is right now. But topic of the day, traveling with gear. We had like two questions, two independent questions, Dave, about traveling with gear. The first one, he says, okay, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on traveling while on cycle. A week or so vacation um, what could you do to still make this as successful as possible? And he's running shorter esters is the thing. I remember he was running test probe. He had some Anivar in there. Um, well, the thing that a lot of it depends on where's he going. Uh, I mean, it's always difficult stateside because you've not only got to consider where the country you're traveling to, but you've got to consider that you will probably go for a security check leaving the country your residence in and obviously these drugs are illegal in that scenario um so that does make it a little bit more difficult um i mean for argument's sake if you're traveling uk to spain then it's not criminal in the uk it's not criminal in spain you hmm. just take them with you the injection equipment particularly the sharps the needles must go in your hold luggage because they cannot go on carry-on luggage Okay. Um, they are quite strict about that. But other than that, from the drugs point of view, they wouldn't give a shit. Hmm. Um, what about if you're driving from the UK to Spain? Yeah, same again. That's same a, that's again. fine too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you're not you're not doing anything illegal. Um, obviously, if you're driving, you can have the the, the needles with you. You're not going to run. You know, as the driver of a car, you're not going to attack the driver of the car, stick a needle in his throat, telling him to land the plane somewhere because you want to hijack it, are you? Yeah. Um, so and that's where it's all come from. It's come from plane hijacks. Um, but if you're traveling out of the States, you do run the risk of discovery internally before you travel. Uh, that then becomes more difficult. And then you've got to sort of look around, right, well, what can I do? Can I... Can I sort of load my dosing a little bit before I go. And for a week, I don't think you've got too much of an issue. I agree. Um, if you were going for two to three weeks, then that becomes a bit more difficult to... I mean, I have this with guys that work offshore. Yeah. So they can take orals with them. They can get away with that. That's not a problem. But they, there's no way they can take syringes, needles, and injectables. So they have to try and front load before they go and then do a, almost a bit of a fast-acting front load when they get back to get mm -hmm. levels back up to where they want them and then taper straight into to, to the slower-acting stuff, depending on how their rotation works. Yeah. Um, so it is a bit of a twat. So what they what I do with them is we'll go fast-acting. Say they do a three-on-three-off, just for argument's sake. We'll do fast-acting until the week before we go, and then about four days before we go, we'll do a couple of long-acting shots. We know it's going to drop off towards the back end. Then we do a three-week oral section. So we've probably got two weeks of injectable where it's at a reasonably active level before it starts to taper down significantly. We run orals, and then as soon as they come out, we're back on the fast actors again. So levels are back peaked and, and off until we repeat the process three weeks later. Yeah, that makes sense. It's not yeah. ideal, but it's it's the best the best workaround in a scenario. So if he's on fast acting and he's going away for a week, I'd just swap to Nth. I've got a couple of solutions. Goes. If he's within the States, 
and he's traveling. I, you know, I don't like traveling with gear. All right, like I would prefer even within the states if I can help it. I'm not going to travel with gear, and if I'm going to only be gone for a week. Now, listen, if I were on fast-acting compounds and it was in the middle of a cycle, I might, let me rephrase this. Some people might mail a package to themselves. Yeah, I've seen that before now. That's um, actually really common, like really common. And if you see guys that are, say, competing in another state, you know, including high-level guys, They'll mail a package to themselves. So it'll be there at the hotel, ready to go when they get there. Sometimes I've even seen maybe like just get get exactly what you need in that box. That way you're not I've, taking anything back with you. I've seen guys rather than mail because they don't want the risk of one the mail being discovered, particularly if it's cross border. Um, on the don't no, want the risk. Of no, no, no. Only within the country. Only within the country. Domestic. So the, they will. They will then prearrange to meet a contact at where they're traveling to to get what they need for that period of time while they're traveling yeah yeah so janice had said that's how melissa bumstead got busted though uh very nerve-wracking she was they were sending packages from canada to the u.s so that's customs that's a completely different thing than within the country there's uh there's 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 going to be very low risk within the country yeah, I, I would suspect the only way you're going to get caught is if there's some sort of parcel inspection through the mail sorting that happens, which can happen randomly. It doesn't happen very often, but it can happen randomly. No, I wouldn't worry uh, about it. It would just be your your luck that the week that you decide to post your drugs to yourself is the week that there's someone posted somewhere and all parcels then get screened. <laughs> Yeah. The only time I've ever I'd be concerned is if it wasn't packaged if it wasn't packaged well and there was any like leaking oils out of it, anything like that, that could potentially pose a risk. But the, I, the other thing I say, which is probably the safest of them all, is to arrange to meet a contact where you're going. And and to be fair, one thing I'll say for steroid users as a network of people, we are very resourceful when it comes to sorting out gear for a fellow. Yeah, we really are, aren't we? We I really have each other's client, back. I had a client travel overseas who'd forgotten to take his supplies with him. Okay. And I literally made a quick shout out, and uh, it turns out that I had a client that was in the the same area and his supplier got in touch and sorted him out that's perfect man that's perfect <laughs> and the- it, it, it amazes me how this is you know thousands of miles apart that can be just arranged over a couple of social media messages yeah and, and listen for the most part though i and i think we probably are both on board with this if you're running a pretty standard cycle let's say you were running test deck a d-ball okay like just a classic right then you just take your test and your deca before you go i would honestly personally i would probably do the full week's dosing all at once then i'd take my ai with me and i'd leave the d-ball home if i was traveling yeah. within the states yeah. because because it is illegal within the states to have so you yeah know, there's I think that from, from anything up to two weeks that that is very very viable like i said the problem occurs when you start stretching into three or four then you start having problems I've got one more idea, uh, too. Go- but, I mean, the thing is, as well, I think what a lot of us fail to do is 
actually look at the potential consequences against the potential rewards and and having low test or lower test for a week of your cycle as opposed to actually getting arrested and charged and everything else that comes with it it's hard to argue it's worth the risk to be fair absolutely got another thought for you so if i had this prescription bottle that has my name on it what kind of oil is in that bottle dave Oily oil. Exactly. Is it trend? Is it trend and mast? Is it trend and mast and pro? Or is it testy, as the label says? They're not testing anything. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there as another option. Now, actually, I... Mm, mm, I'm not, from a border point of view, from a border control point of view, they can... I think detect compound presence. So you're going to tell me that I'm going through customs. I have two of two of my two milliliter vials, two of my one milliliter vials, and I've added in some mast and trend into those vials. That they're going to pull those aside. I mean, maybe going. I wouldn't do that in Australia. I wouldn't take any risks in Australia, but anywhere else in the world, I you're going to be all right. I, I would suspect in the most. No, it was just just as a random thought that popped into my head. I'm sure now they can test for the detection of compound on like a NIC test. It's not a NIC test, but it's a similar presence indicator test. I've had clients, too, that travel for business and that they have to fly like every third week or something. They leave for a week and they literally just put, take it all with them. They don't have any oh, yeah, problems. I mean, I've, I've, you know? I've traveled all over the world with my gear. Um, yeah. And I never thought anything of it, to be honest. And I never really, probably foolishly, but I, I never really considered any consequences. But that's because I come out of a country where it's legal. So I always have that argument that well, it's legal in my country. So here's another one. This is the other question we had from Camel Joe. He says, hey, guys, love the show Tricky Situation, um, traveling mid-cycle. I'm planning to go on road trip. Uh, is, possibly, is it possible to carry gear on the trip? Um, will the gear crash when I keep them in the car? I am traveling from Leeds to Barcelona in next month. Also, um, what will be the legal issues of carrying test, VAR, and mast in my car so that I can... Um, uh, can I go to a TRT clinic and get prescriptions, at least for the testosterone? Um, if that isn't a good idea, can I take a shot of test undecanoate um, before the trip um, and then take test you? What would be the protocol? Um, also, will I will there be high E2 conversion if I'm on this? Uh, right, so there's, there's, there's no concerns going to Barcelona via Leeds. You'll drive down, you'll get on the channel. Or, or the ferry, whichever you choose to trust with, uh, and you'll go out the other side, and I'll be even shocked if they even stop the car and look inside. Um, but there's no criminal aspect to that. Um, you don't have to be concerned about it. And uh, I think you'll find actually getting a script for TRT, as in just a script, won't be that easy, because mm. for most scripts to be provided, you'll need to provide a... a a blood sample or at least blood results showing you're low. You oh, have yeah. to pay a doc doctor's consult fee, then the prescription fee, and the prescription will state the make and brand of testosterone you're using, yeah. which won't won't be fucking whatever lab 
test 250 or you know mega test 400 <laughs> uh, so, so i mean i've i've done the the uk to spain trip loads of times and it's just been in the car <laughs> never had an issue particularly when you you know if you were carrying 40 bottles then then they're gonna they're gonna want to yeah but you, you've got a, a vial and that's the thing just take what you need yeah Valid no extras no extras yeah tub of art nothing else enough needles to cover it and call it quits and i very much doubt you'll have any issues whatsoever all right we'll move I mean, on I here got, okay the, 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 the thing is for the vast majority of police they're not really interested yeah, right. the spanish police could be a bit corrupt they're yeah. not always the most law-abiding of individuals worst case scenario is they take it off you and they impose some made-up fine of a couple of hundred euros to piss you off and put some mm. money in the pocket yeah that's sort of the worst case you're going to see. But yeah, I very much doubt you'd even see that. I've, I've very been surprised if there was anything more of it come of that. Just don't put a plastic hatchet under your seat. Mm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Vincent Ford had one. We had it in the uh, Quest is off YouTube, but he posted it here as well. So we'll take it off the live stream. Uh, by the way, guys, if you want to take part in the next show, then comment on YouTube on this episode, and we would be happy to take your questions on the following episode. Plus, comments, likes, all that stuff, it helps to boost our programming and the algorithm. And by the way, if you're new here, let me encourage you to subscribe, hit the bell, all that. We have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week. Vincent says, um, says, hi, guys. Touching on what Dave spoke about one to two weeks ago, Dave mentioned he favored having higher peak values of androgens instead of stable levels with throughout the week. Um, how would that transfer over to a cycle with long esters? Hypothetically, what would you recommend to someone doing a cycle of a thousand test sust and a thousand milligrams deca? Spread all the injections over the week, or just two, uh, excuse me, or just do all three to four injections in different muscle groups on the same day. That's been taken slightly out of context. What I said was that, yes, I'd like an element of stability, but I'm not trying to create complete instability. <laughs> Havoc. <laughs> yeah. So, in the scenario presented, a thousand milligrams test is most likely 250, so you're talking four milli shots. Decker is likely 200, so you're talking five shots or yeah. five milli shots. So, I would be tempted to do something along the lines of two mil of Decker on, on a Monday and two mil of test on a Monday and then one mil of test and one and a half mil of Decker on a Wednesday and one mil of test and one and a half mil of Decker on a Friday. Yeah, okay. That gives you that little bit of irregularity to stop it getting too stable without being stupid with massive high single shot doses. For me, I would keep those compounds stable like consistently through the week. And then if I wanted any instability, it would be with a faster acting compound, creating like higher spikes. You know what I'm saying, Dave? Yeah, yeah. I do, blood. What else do we got here? Chris says, uh, question for Mr. Crossland. That's pretty formal. So he says, hope you're doing good, buddy. Do you That's see... That's Mr. Swan. You know, do you know Chris Swan? I do know Mr. Swan. He's a he's, he's actually a very good amateur bodybuilder. Look at the believe... rear delts. I'm going to blow this. I can't pull it over further, but look at those rear delts on him. I, I believe quite a decent surfer as well. What? Where's he from? He's also he's, he's from down Cornwall. He's also a really, really, really nice chilled out guy. 
You people don't know how to surf in the UK. There's no surfing in the UK. You do that in California, Dave. And why? Look. I'm I'm, I'm just, I'm no. I can't. I just can't. <laughs> Dave's arthritis is acting up. He can't handle me today. No, it's just, I can't handle you in that shirt. You know, if you wore that shirt and wore a 1980s full, drove a 1980s full-size Chevy sort of square headlight job, then I could sort of live with you. But you wear that shirt and drive a Mini. Dave uh, Dave doesn't get this shirt. Ever since I ever bought it, like a year plus ago, he's upset every time I wear it. I really don't understand that at all. But... Every time I put it on, I know he's going to say something, and I just I don't understand it. How much did you pay for that shirt? He reminds me kind of like a bull when you like take the red the red sheet and you wave it at the bull. The bull can't think of anything but that red cape. The the color's insignificant. It's the the movement. Um, <laughs> how much How much did you pay for that shirt? I can't remember. Roughly between like. $30-ish to $40-ish. Right. I will send you $40. Burn the bloody thing. No, that's not going to happen because I like the shirt and it's warm. Anyway, let's get to Chris's question. He says, uh, question for Mr. Crossland. Hope you're doing good, buddy. Do you see any value in adding a combination of Lantis and Nova Rapid together in an off-season when the food is very high? Example, using a base dose of 20 IU or so of Lantis on training days in combination with some pre post workout Nova rapid, or is this just overkill? Thank you for doing my bloods by the way. So the, the only thing I don't like about the slow acting insulin is that it does create a baseline, but it's a very locked in baseline. And what a lot of people don't realize is like Nova Rapid is actually active for as long as 12 hours. So it will layer on top and it will layer on top for quite a long time. Um, if you have any disruptions to your daily intake, you can't remove, you know, if you took Nova Rapid with every, every meal, if you don't eat, you don't take the Nova Rapid. So there's almost an automatic safeguard built into there because you're not going to have insulin in your system that's not required because the insulin comes in when you eat very much like the body reacts but when you take a slow acting baseline you've got an elevated level of insulin consistent throughout the day so as a result if you miss a meal bg levels are going to be continually driven lower because you've got that insulin there all the time i would also be concerned that the constant exposure to an elevated level of insulin is going to do nothing but hasten insulin resistance Whereas the insulin around meals, because you get a natural spike at that time anyway, and you're just replacing that with a higher spike but artificial, will actually help the beta cells, whereas that constant exposure is going to dumb things down a little bit. That would be my concerns. wonder if he's on growth. Well, that's not going to help with insulin res sensitivity anyway. Well, you know, and that's where I think there can be more of a benefit, you know, like, like you're running higher growth. Um, Colette Nelson so, was the right, first so person. What's, what's, your, what's your theory then about, for argument's sake, let's use Chris's <coughs> dose example of 20 IU. Yeah. <coughs> so made up figures, but say that gives you an insulin level of double 
natural. You'll end up getting, so with Lantus, you'll end up getting like a, a small trickle. So it'll be like one to two U, IU an hour. It would still be, you know, really low. And in in a case where if somebody were to, I wonder, like, so if you're using high levels of growth that was going to cause some insulin resistance, it would be a way to temporarily um, counteract to that. It's not going to fix it. You know what I'm saying? It's not going to like improve your your blood sugar sensitivity. It's so just to me that that's the opposite way because you're yes, I get what you're saying. You you ha- you then have higher levels of insulin that push through the resistance. Yeah. So because your insulin sensitivity is is, is a bit dumbed down, you yeah. need more insulin to get it to react. So if you've got more insulin available, it will react. But the the caveat of that is that the more insulin available causes the insulin sensitivity to worsen the longer you're in that situation. Yeah, it wouldn't be like a, it wouldn't be something I would do long term. But you know, say for the the later half of a big push when food is already really high, I, I could definitely see benefit from that. And you know, I I had seen so years ago, we had seen like just the massive doses of insulin you know, two times a day, like a, you know, like a, um, Novalin R, Humulin R, right? And so people would take the starting dose, it was like eight to 10 units first thing in the morning, and then later in the day, you know, eight units after training. And then from there, people started increasing the doses over time, right? And um, then what I started hearing around 2016, Colette Nelson started saying that you'd be better off using a small amount around your meals or using a longer acting like a super long acting insulin like a lantus and i know that that's become since then that's become pretty popular you know nearly a decade later i haven't done it a lot but when i have done it it would be with somebody who was in like a huge calorie surplus and that they're using you know multiple like five plus units of good growth per day and it wouldn't be a fix. I think the mistake that we see sometimes is people are like, oh, so I'm having blood sugar issues. You know, what can I do to fix that? And they're like, well, insulin isn't a fix. It's just a way to make sure that you're still going to you know, get what you need out of the food and control blood sugar. Long term, you're going to need to come off the growth. You're going to need to fix it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a band-aid, isn't it, rather than a, a cure? Yeah. So if you want to get the high growth in there and the high food and make use of it, then I think that's where we're talking about. But it's kind of like the performance versus health thing. We're definitely leaning into the performance side of things, you know? That'd be my thought, at least. Okay. No, okay. It's not something I have, like I said, it's not something I've done a lot. But it's really popular, you know, at this point. Um, another one for you. This is Oh, this is about under construction. It says, hey, Dave and Scott, I tried C-Link nasal spray, which I talked about. Get it from Amino Asylum, code THINK. Um, it's calming and has increased my focus in a big way. Cool. It says, my question is the documentary under construction. Is it available to buy or where can I view it? I have followed Dave wherever he's gone since seeing them. Not in a stalker way. I live in the States. Sorry. Guy with that ringer is making fun of my shirt. Just saying. That ring's deliberately obnoxious, so I recognize it. Where can you get the movie? Is it still available? 
It is. It's only available as digital download because we live in this modern tech age. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, www.underconstructionthefilm.com. The website isn't the greatest. I need to talk about websites as well. Um, the website isn't the greatest. Um in the way of navigation so you have to dig around a bit to find the first one but it is on there if you keep looking uh but the second is is much easier to find okay question for dave um when you were running high dose nandrolone cycles did you run any supplements or medications on the side like p5p or caber all of my cycles in the past i ran p5p i don't know if i need it or not i'm just curious um, if it's necessary in your mind. I'm a very poor example for this. I have the reaction to anabolic sides like a breeze block. Like a what? I, breeze block. It's a housing <laughs> brick. Oh, okay. Look, it just doesn't matter, Scott. Like, like a brick, then, or a stone. Like, it's just a solid, inanimate object that has no response to things. That's what you're describing yourself Jesus. as? Uh, well, when it comes to drugs, yeah. Um, okay. I mean, I, I ran three gram of test, no, no AI, no problem. I ran a gram and a half a decker, no caber, no AI, not a problem. I, I've never run any ancillaries in a large part of the cycles I've ever done, and I've done very high dose cycles with no ancillaries at all. I just never suffered with the sides, which was a blessing and a curse at the same time, because obviously if I'd suffered with the sides, I would have been much more, probably much more regulated in the doses I took. Okay. And But because I didn't get any sides, there was no immediate impact of not running drugs that high because I never suffered from anything for them. Hmm. Oh, so I, so I thought at the time. Okay. Um, so, as I say, I'm a poor example. Um, Caber's a weird one. So not so much Caber. Prolactin's a weird one. Prolactin will elevate with stress. It will elevate with fluctuations in estrogen it will elevate with high estrogen but it only really becomes super impacting when you get the down regulation of dopamine at the same time which is caused by nandrolones so nandrolones lower dopamine engagement because they lower dopamine transport proteins as you get a reduction in dopamine and then the subsequent elevation in prolactin that is much more impacting from a symptom point of view than prolactin elevated because your estrogen has been at 300 and you suddenly slammed it with AIs and now it's at 100 and that's triggered a prolactin spike. So you can see five, 600 levels of prolactin from estrogen manipulation with no sides whatsoever and you can see five, 600 prolactin from someone on Nandrolone and them have prolactin associated size. So the effect of prolactin is very much based around what's causing the prolactin to elevate in the first place. And it seems to be the big trigger point is the dopamine effect. Okay. And caber is a dopamine agonist. So that's how it brings prolactin back down and offsets the side effects is because it stimulates the, the, the dopamine receptor. So the low dopamine transport proteins that have been caused by the nandrolones are no longer impeding the stimulation of the, the dopamine receptor. So there you go. You suggested uh, P5P 
in the past, though. It right? works. It definitely works, but it doesn't work for everybody. And again, it is person dose specific. But I do think, from what I've seen, P5P pre-cycle up to sort of four or five hundred mig total of an androlone, it generally seems to cope with it quite well, but it won't cope with big, big doses. You're going to need caber for that. And it doesn't seem very good at fixing the problem once it's existed if it's driven by nandrolones. It does seem effective at bringing prolactin down if it's driven by stress or estrogen fluctuation. Okay. All right. We'll see if we can, uh, since we're trying to do a couple shows here per week, we'll see if we can find one more good question to wrap this up. Um, I mean, we could oh, really... This is it. I'm not doing another show. You're not doing another show? No. So sh should we just keep going then and answer the next No, do no just, this is it. This, this is it. Last question. Job done. I'm going home. <laughs> you are home. Okay. I'm going somewhere else in home. I have a question for the next one. This is Scylla. Scylla has commented on every episode we do. He is a great listener. Um, he's helped to support the show since the beginning you're, by commenting you're liking a You're, all you're that a stuff. creep. It's the first time I've been called a creep today. Today. <laughs> today. <laughs> the woman in the supermarket called it me yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. <laughs> the police called it me last week. Yeah. Question for the next show. In Arnold's day, we didn't see any bodybuilders with gyno. How did they manage estrogen back in the day when they had D-ball, DECA, Parabolin? It's a good question. Yeah, I just find Parabolin a strange addition to that list, seeing as it's non-estrogenic. But anyway, um, I mean, I suppose trend does increase ER receptors at the breast, so you could argue there it lowers DHT, so it does make you more prone to uh, gyno. Um, I think a lot boils down to dosage. Yep. Um, I mean, back in the day, you know, guys were taking parabola and what was it? I can never remember. Was it 78 or 87 or some weird, weird fucking dosing like that? Yeah, it was like 75 or something like that. Yeah, so it, was, it was an odd ball number, wasn't it? You know, it wasn't, it, yeah, it was an odd ball number, the parabolin. So, I mean, that gives you a reflection of the, the doses of trend that were being used when most trends these days, well, in anthates anyway, are going to be at least 200. Yeah. Um, so, I think dose played a big factor in it. Um, I also think there wasn't the hyper condition there is now. Uh, so there may there may not be as much exposure of gyno because they just weren't getting lean enough for it to be f truly visible. Yeah, like minor gyno that you necessarily yeah. might not be able to see. Yeah, that's possible. Uh, so I think there's there's possibly something there as well. They didn't uh, run as much test back then. They didn't run as much as anything back then, did they? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, and and there's a very old school attitude to drug management but from what i've seen it does bear some grounding as well that the harder you train the more you push the less prone you are to side effects hmm. uh, and the argument is now this is very unscientific but i'm sure there's going to be i think if we ask scott there'll be some sort of 
science angle to it that would make some sense. But the, yeah. the basic the basic idea behind this this law is that if you're training super super hard and super intensely, uh, that you are using all the drugs that you are taking. Your body is utilizing their properties, and as a result, you get less side effects. Um, that won't be clinically correct, but at the same time, there is anecdotal that would say, yes, you know what I mean? When guys do train really hard and they push really hard in every aspect of what they're doing, they do seem to suffer with less sides from the drugs they take. But that's a that's a seventies sort of attitude towards it. But it was it was very strongly believed by a lot of the old school guys that to minimise side effects from drugs, just train harder. Yeah. All right. I, I don't, I, there'll be some science about the metabolism of the drug and and you know the engagement of the receptor and stuff like that that changes. I have no doubt under extreme exercise, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to this is. I, I I do imagine that dose and duration is probably at least part of it, because hmm. you know that's what we always go back to anyway. Is what's the way to stay safe while using this stuff, or as safe as possible, the lowest you can use for the shortest amount of time you can use it. So well, I think I that mean, could be part of it. The fact that they didn't use a lot of tests could be part of it. You know, I think you, the if, other thing you've got to remember as well is that you're talking about a much smaller percentage of the population using. True. So, you know, bodybuilders back in the 60s and 70s were, by definition, the genetic elite in the first place. That's a good point. Now we have anybody that wants to try can. Some of them have terrible response to hormones. They weren't predisposed to being that guy to begin with. That's a great point, too. So I, I don't, I mean, I don't know factually at all, but there's a few things that, that would seem to, to play potential role in it. That's right. Pete says uh, it was uh, 76. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I knew it was an oddball number. Yeah. Um, I can never remember it. But, uh, yeah, I, I do think dose played a uh, probably the most significant role, role is dose. Yeah. All right. Well, let's mean, wrap this thing up. There's always been high dose users, but um, throughout the history, there's always been high dose users. But I think across the board, the average is much greater than it used to be. Yeah. Guys, for another episode of Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland, go to cross well, don't go to crosslands.org.uk to reach out to Dave. You can hit him up on uh, Instagram, hit him up on Facebook, hit him up at the Eval TikTok. How's the Eval TikTok going, Dave? We're doing content recording Thursday and Friday. Um, yeah, my website is down. I oh. got into an argument with my hosting company. Oh, why? Because they said I hadn't paid them when I had, so I've told them to go shove it up their ass. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm taking this opportunity to build a new website. Okay, cool. Pillars of strength. My old one was shit. Pillars, yeah. Well, nobody signed up for it, but the course is. I'm looking for people for the next course, definitely. Um, All right. Well, let's mention that on the next show too, then. We'll okay. get people to sign up. All right, guys. And of course, check out our sponsors, TrueNutrition.com. Use our code THINK, SupplementSource.ca for our Canadians. Strong Sports Nutrition. Check them out in the UK. And of course, thank you to everybody from Patreon for helping to support the show. Oh, and you can reach out to me, McNallyDiets at gmail.com for coaching. Guys, we'll see you soon.